everyone and welcome into episode 6 of Living Liberty Today. I'm Charlie Earl. We do want to remind you, you can find us at https colon backslash backslash free to be you. That's F-R-E-E, the number 2, B and U, dot buzzsprout dot com. Or you can find Living Liberty Today on Facebook. Uh, you can look up Charlie Earl on LinkedIn and I post them there. As well as if you want to correspond with us or have anything to recommend or say, you can write to Living Liberty Today at protonmail.com. Well, today we're going to poke a little bit into the world of entrepreneurship and I guess one of the things that requires to be a, a really an entrepreneur or a go-getter uh, is that your entrepreneurial dream should be underscored by some driving awareness. For example, do you have a skill that may or may not be unique, but nevertheless is enhanced to the point where you feel you can thrive in your in your drive uh, to be on your own. Or maybe if it's not skill, it's talent. You have a creative bent to you. You have a way of doing things that maybe you haven't quite enhanced the skill yet, but you know your talent lies in that area. And it's something that drives you to want to get out on your own and do your thing. Maybe it's even experience. Maybe you've worked for other people in a in a certain capacity and you've developed the experience to know that you might be able to do better on your own. That if you broke away from the structure that you're in now and did it your way, uh, you could take that experience and make it a profitable enterprise. Maybe you just have a desire for adventure. You want to get out there and try to swim among the sharks and see how you do and perhaps also you have a desire to be free to make your own choices, particularly in the world of economic uh, freedom and uh, have your own source of income and determine when and where you work and uh, when you do it. Identify what is your driving force and if you want to determine how to be successful as an entrepreneur. And how do you do that? If you don't already know, she goes through a process of, of determining, sit down, what do I like, what do I don't like, what, do, what aspect about this that I like do I find difficult or boring, maybe. Go through and do a self-analysis that way and identify and focus in and target on where your real area of expertise is. Then you should find uh, some outlets, maybe... Uh, YouTube or maybe some mentors that you can discover or or create or develop to help you enhance your weak points within your driving force. If there's a part of it you like and really enjoy but another part you're not so good at or you don't enjoy, maybe then you can find outlets who will help you with your weak points. It might be something as simple as hiring an accountant. Although that's a difficult way to go when you're beginning a new enterprise and working alone, 
you may find a way to get that done uh, it may be something you want to plan put into your plan as you put it together to develop your entrepreneurial enterprise and one of the things you want to be sure of and I and I caution you this from experience you don't really want to wade into the swamp without a lifeline or at least some stones to step on when you get in there above your neck because uh, if you if you dash forward with the dream and the concept and maybe a level of talent or skill but you haven't reached out to find those people who can be helpful to you or you haven't taken care of the things that must be done even if you don't like to do them and you aren't willing to do them or don't know how you want to at least have that lifeline constructed before you go out there. And that lifeline may simply be getting more knowledge yourself, getting more understanding, getting more awareness, uh, being aware of all the options to enhance what you're doing uh, without getting stuck way out ahead of yourself and not being able to recover or to pull the resources in in a timely fashion. So... Okay, let's, we've decided you want to get going. Let's say without constantly delaying, learn to become competent in some of these areas that surround your focus point. Learn how to be competent in the, in the mind. You know, even if you don't want to do the books and you find that boring and obnoxious, at the very least, you should know how to read a balance sheet. You should know how to understand what they're trying to tell you when the, when the accountant sends you back that data. Uh, otherwise, it's just gibberish and you're spending your money for nothing. You've got to know how to read it, understand it, and do that. So develop these areas outside of your focal area that help you become more competent. Uh, maybe not a master, but at least you're aware of what's going on. You're aware how to deal with them, and, and you are, are ready to put them to work, uh, strengthen your weak areas, and then go to it, fire it up. I want to give you a little personal anecdote now. As some of you may know, um, our family is involved in a couple of enterprises right now. Uh, we have been in the past as well. But right now, uh, one of the enterprises our family is involved in is my son and daughter-in-law operate a barbecue business, which includes a brick-and-mortar restaurant. But nine and a half years ago, we started this barbecue business with basically a flatbed trailer that we had a, uh, a local welder, Mitch's Welding, free plug there, Mitch, uh, to put a, a frame on for us, a canopy over it. We installed an 8x8x6 walk-in cooler on the freezer and as well as a smoker that would do around 750 pounds at a time we installed a uh, convection oven uh, a three base sink uh, all the accoutrements to make a barbecue trailer functional out on the road now the one drawback uh, and I, I should add we had a water heater a gray water tank and a white water tank one of the drawbacks of the setup that we had was that we had to do all of our serving on at ground level because the trailer was totally 
consumed and outside reachable. In other words, everything was reachable from outside the trailer. So we had to serve at ground level, which meant we had to construct a canopy to cover our serving areas and our prep areas and things of that nature, as well as lay down multiple rubber mats to uh, minimize the effect of the ground uh, on, on our serving and our product. And as we developed and went to different festivals and things, some of them were rib festivals or what have you, we also had to build a large anywhere from 13 to 20 foot marquee up front. The size of the marquee was often determined by the size of the event and the number of other vendors that were there. If we were one of three or four, the smaller marquee was sufficient in that we could be noticed and recognized and they could find us easily enough. The larger marquee was more important than the bigger rib festivals and things of that nature so that we at least competed with uh, the other rivers, professional national rivers who were there. But one of the things we learned early on, and we did this for nine and a half years, nearly every weekend from April through October, uh, one of the things we learned early on was that our setup put us at a physical disadvantage in the sense that we had to spend six to eight hours constructing our canopy and marquee uh, on site, usually the night before the event began, and then it took two to three hours to tear it down at the end of the event when we were all flat out tired and exhausted, uh, we still had to take down that infrastructure, that superstructure as I like to think of it. So. This was something that in the beginning seemed like a good idea. After uh, more than nine years reflection on it, we probably wished at some point we'd just gotten a concession type trailer where we could serve from inside with a porch on the back for a smoker. And we wouldn't have that uh, phenomenal setup requirement and everything to do. We could install our marquee so that it folded down on the roof of the trailer. All we had to do was lift it up uh, in order to show people who and where we were. But those are things we learned the hard way. We put the investment into that equipment. And then later, we added a commercial kitchen here at our property. And that made it more possible for us to do things like weddings and corporate functions and stuff of that nature, a place to do our side uh, dishes and all those types of things as we prepared uh, for the happy couple or for the uh, corporate thank you party or whatever they had. And PJ and Heather have developed quite a robust catering business. I should add, uh, right now it's taken somewhat of a hit, even though... Um, you know, many of the functions are coming back. They're not coming back at the size they would have normally. For example, a 300-person wedding uh, may still go forward, but instead of serving 300 people, they cut the size down to 80 uh, because of the nature of the, of the COVID requirements and governor's mandates and things of that nature. Uh, that means fewer people can get into the 
venue that the couple have rented uh, for the happy celebration and what have you. So as caterers, that, that impacts your bottom line. You know, you still have a profit on a small catering event because you bid it going in. But your, your profit isn't nearly as large as what it might have been had, had times been normal. So I would say that you're going to make mistakes just like we did. Some of them you can recover from very quickly. Others going to take a while. We're still sitting with that trailer. We still do some what we call vending events where we go set it up for one, two, or three days and serve out off of it but those are becoming less frequent because a lot of festivals have been canceled and so forth and also uh, it's just a matter of time getting away from the restaurant getting the personnel on the road to cover the vending event as we're out there one of the drawbacks of the vending business for those of you who may not be aware is that when you pull that trailer out of the parking lot and head for the event, whatever it is, uh, you don't know what you're going to come back with. You may have a super weekend. On the other hand, one day of rain could ruin it all. Uh, if the rain comes at the wrong time of the festival, it not only kills that day's sales, it impacts the next day's sales because people may be afraid to come out or have made other plans for the weekend or what have you. So it's an interesting and has been a, a, a fun experience for us as we've learned to deal with it. But now that the restaurant is open and they're uh, dealing with the brick and mortar, the whole COVID thing has created all new uh, difficulties, all new problems, all new hurdles to deal with. But they're dealing with it in a fine fashion. And I'm really proud of the way uh, they've adapted uh, during this mess that we're going through right now. So that's a little look at finding your dream, finding your area of driving force, and then building around it and enhancing and developing and minimizing your weaknesses as you go forward. Find a mentor, go on YouTube, whatever, to take those weak spots of yours and learn as much as you can so that you don't get blindsided as you get into the entrepreneurial uh, environment going forward. I want to thank you for joining us for episode six. Check us out on Facebook, Living Liberty Today. Just remember, every day, try to live free. I'm Charlie Earle.